What do you think of when you think of shame? Maybe it's this famous person. Shame is the gremlin who says, never good enough. And if you can talk it out of that one, who do you think you are? Or maybe this famous moment. Shame. 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 Shame is something we're all navigating on a daily basis. And as the very famous Brene Brown said, shame is an intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. It's an emotion that affects all of us and profoundly shapes the way we interact in the world. There have been a lot of conversations around shame and guilt what are the differences? Feeling unworthy, flawed, unworthy of love. And I've noticed that we've been talking about these, these things so much more than we have ever before. But what happens when it comes to something we ourselves do or we see someone else do that is incredibly taboo, such as sleeping with a married person? Over the past few months, there have been a number of cheating scandals that have come to light whether Adam Levine. Another woman has come forward exposing Adam Levine on Instagram for sending her direct messages. Recently, Ned Fulmer of the Try Guys. Ned Fulmer, star of the Try Guys YouTube channel, has been fired from the group after being accused of cheating on his wife, Ariel. He was recently filmed kissing producer Alex Herring, who's worked with the Try Guys on multiple projects, and they were filmed kissing at a club in New York City. A lot of these cheating scandals have one thing in common, shame. And a lot of the comments online can tend to sway negatively towards women. On today's episode of the show, I'm chatting with Janelle Villiers. She is the assistant program director under the director of admissions in the human genetics department at Sarah Lawrence College. And prior to Sarah Lawrence, she worked in a clinical setting as a clinical supervisor at Jacoby Medical Center. She is currently a volunteer site visitor for the Accreditation Council for Genetic Counseling. And she's recently written a book entitled, I Slept with a Married Man. Am I still a good person? Janelle through past guest of this show, Kitty Gonzalez. And upon meeting her via email, <laughs> I could recognize her kindness and supportive nature immediately. Janelle mentioned she had written a book and she sent me this book. And when I opened it, I had no idea that the subject matter would be about shame around sleeping with someone who was married. But here's the thing, as you can imagine, her book is so much deeper than that. And we get into all of that in our interview. Yeah, telling a story about where where you were and where you've come from, that could help someone else. And I would like to help people in that way. Um, if only I had something to say. <laughs> Before we dive in, I want to offer a trigger warning for those um, 
who may have experienced something like cheating or um, betrayal in this way. And and I just want to, you know, offer you a, a space to listen to this, but also respect the fact that you may have gone through something incredibly traumatic as well. Um, I want to offer a trigger warning for um, people who have had uh, issues with their sexual health, because we do talk somewhat about that as well. Um, and finally, going into this episode, I think this particular topic is incredibly stigmatized. So I'd like to encourage you to approach this episode with an open heart and an open mind, because the subject that we are talking about leads to so many broad subjects and a really beautiful conversation around self-worth and self-confidence. So all that to say, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Janelle and that it brings some new perspective into your heart and your soul. So let's jump into my conversation with Janelle. Janelle, welcome to the Amplify Her podcast. I am so thrilled to have you on the show and so excited to talk about your story. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I am I am so excited to be on your podcast. You have been able to uplift and give give space for so many people's voices and stories. Um, and I just I'm really honored to be here. So thank you. Oh, that's such a kind way to kick us off. So thank you. Uh, we met through Kitty Gonzalez, who is a past guest on this show. Um, if you haven't listened to her episode, go listen. She's incredible. And uh, she's introduced me to a number of women. And I am so excited that she introduced me to you because you have such a unique story and which I don't, I don't really think is, you know, quite unique I think I mean it is but I think it's a conversation we need to be having um, because many other people are experiencing what you're experiencing and um, aren't really talking about it and so you have written a book and the title of this book is a whammy it is called I slept with a married man am I still a good person and if you're watching this on video I'm holding it up right now <laughs> so Obviously, that is a major title, a major thing to unpack for lots and lots of people, including yourself, which I know through reading this book. (laughs) And I have so many questions about this journey of yours, this book. And my first question is really what compelled you to put this story to paper? What was that? longing that motivation to write this into a into a book that's a great question so I I started the process of even thinking about it and writing about it during COVID I think a lot of people can relate to all of a sudden having more time to for introspection (laughs) for thinking about things and what do you want to do moving forward how can you help others maybe even how can you have an impact and I think um, for me, I I guess over time I had like kind of like little seeds planted over time with different people and hearing different people's stories. 
Um, one of one of the probably the stories that was had the most profound effect on me was somebody who talks about uh, it's it's actually a pastor, so a pastor who was talking about his own his own struggles with life, right? And so he himself um, was addicted to porn. He had cheated on his wife. Um, he had done a bunch of things that he was definitely not proud of. Um, you can imagine there was a lot of shame <laughs> around um, a lot of the things that he did, but it was in his relationship with Christ. And, and that's kind of like what redeemed him and brought him to the other side. And he told the story in a way that um, aligned with one of the stories in the Bible, of course, about um um, the man who was healed and then Jesus told him, pick up your mat, right? And go, don't, don't like, don't say here, pick up your mat and go to like the place where you are from, like away from here. Um, and his interpretation of that is he was like, what is your mat? Like this man was carrying his mat, the things that were holding him down so much so that he was broken. He couldn't stand up. He was walked over, overlooked, um, passed, literally passed over and brought to such a state of redemption that he lifted his mat and he told him to carry his mat. And that's what this man did. Like he showed people his mat, like, this is what I've been through. And he's like, your testimony, what, what you're able to share with people, that sometimes is your biggest calling. It may not be to like, you know, um, run a foundation and, you know, be a Bill Gates and save people from polio or something. <laughs> like it may just be telling your story and maybe your story could help somebody else to help them, whether it's heal from whatever they're going through or, or something like that. And so anyway, so I heard this story and for me, I listened to it and I was like, man, I haven't gone through something like that. Like he did a lot. And the man that he's talking about physically could not walk. Like that's an amazing testimony. Like yeah. I'm not sure if I have something like that in me, right. To tell. So originally I didn't even connect the dots. It was just this idea of like, yeah, telling a story about where where you were and where you've come from that could help someone else. And I would like to help people in that way. Um, if only I had something to say. <laughs> mm. And so that was probably one of the very first seeds. And I think um, the next one after that for me was, um, I've done a lot of personal development. I'm a serial entrepreneur. I recently heard um, someone call it a multi-hyphenated entrepreneur. <laughs> so that- Every week there's a new one. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> and um when you're an entrepreneur, there's a certain mindset that you need to have that is completely different from being an employee. And I had to learn that. And there's, um, I was a part of a network marketing company that um, helped introduce me to residual income that I ne- like did not even know like what residual income was. And so it just kind of like opened my mind. And, you know, once the mind expands, it can't contract. And so what was really great about this particular company is that they didn't want you to just gain access to money and things, they really wanted you to be a better person. So they really focused on personal development. And so a lot of a, a lot of times people hear personal development or they think self-help and immediately you might think like, oh, that's like when you say like affirmations to yourself in a mirror. And one of the things that bothered me as I was going through this process, like I was constantly around people who are like upbeat and you know wanting to see people do well and um, do good in the world. But this affirmation thing, 
I don't know if anyone can relate to this, but it was just like, you can say those things like, I'm beautiful, I'm strong, I'm worthy, I'm enough. And then the back of my mind, I'm sitting there like, these are lies, all lies, 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 lies. And I, I didn't have anything to like voice it, but I recognized that there was something, I was like, I don't know, people are saying these affirmations work, but it was just like, I don't think that this is working for me. And so during COVID, between the story I originally told you about just like this idea of like, hmm, maybe my story can help someone. And then this recognition that there's something else going on, right? Like something else that these affirmations aren't working around, like what is going on right? There? And so it was because I don't believe I'm good enough. I actually do have these thoughts of like this shame-based thinking thoughts, which I talk a lot about in the book. Um, where does that come from? And so it started with like, oh, here's this story I have to tell. And it stems from this particular action. But then it's like, how did I go from making that decision? How does someone get there? Like, you don't just like arrive <laughs> at this decision. There's like a lot of things that build up to that. And and what was a part of that buildup? And what were some of the things that I've been thinking in my head leading up into that moment? And then that led me into doing a lot of research about shame. And so I think for most people, the most famous shame expert or researcher is Brene Brown. Yeah. And people know her for vulnerability, which is great and true. But in actuality, she started the vast majority of her research is on shame. And so I ended up looking into her work and some other people's work around this topic and started to recognize oh holy cow there's like a whole like group of people <laughs> who recognize that this is one it's a human emotion just like grief or sorrow or joy or contentment or wonder right like it is it is it is a human emotion that we all go through yeah. but the difference is when people get stuck in shame and there are some people who have resiliency, which I actually love that term that Brene has co coined, because there are some people that get, get to shame, as we know, and we know it's a low frequency, a low emotion, but then like can bounce back, right? And then like get back to, you know, being able to do things. And then there are people who just stay in it, which is where I was. And it and it's and and when you just stay in that cycle and um this constant shame-based thinking, and that type of thinking can then impact every area of your life. And I'm reading all these people who have done this research, research and lining it up with like things that I realized throughout my childhood and then adolescence and then as an adult. And I was like, holy cow, I can like trace it back to those, to those events in my life and then how it's impacted how I am now as an adult and how I think about things and why I self-sabotage, why I make a decision that's not in my best interest. Mm -hmm. um, why, why why do I do that? And so really quickly, for those of you out there who are just like, oh, shame, it's also guilt. That's the number one thing that I like to set clear from the very beginning. Guilt is I did something bad. Shame is I am bad. And so when you think I am bad, I am unworthy, I am unlovable, I'm not enough, I'm defective, something's wrong with me, I'm a failure, I'm broken, right? Like, I say all these things, like a list of things, because maybe one thing you're like, nah, that's not me. But then I say the 10th thing and you're like, oh yeah, but that's that's me. I do say right. that. Um, you know, like when you're in those thoughts and they're just kind of like on repeat in, in the back of your mind, um, you kind of like live up to it. You, you, you don't expect good things to happen to your life because why would anything good happen to someone who's broken or unworthy or unlovable? 
no. So then like, then of course you're going to invite the bad things in, right? Because that's what someone like me deserves. I don't deserve anything better. Mm. Um, and I will say that for some people, it's a, it's a trigger of some sort. So I do a lot of anti-racism work and I feel like lately I've been around a lot of people who are like, yeah, yeah, I really don't have, I don't really have shame. I like, I hear what you're saying, but like, I really don't have it. <laughs> then we get into anti-racism work and then I'm like, oh, that might be your trigger, you know, like, oh man, right. am I racist? Oh my God, I'm a horrible person. I'm awful. Right. And like the people quickly spiral in, in that area. And so it's just a recognition that like everyone's trigger is different. Again, it's a human emotion that we all have and some people bounce and some people stay in it. And for me, I wanted to not only share my story as a way to like, hey, if if you've ever gone through this, like me too, you know? And here's what I've learned. Like I did some things organically that are part of like creating resilience or creating healing from shame. Um, and then I did some research and found, hey, the things that I did organically match up with that. <laughs> so these are right. as well, right? Um, and so I want to have both conversations. The first part is the number one, like, uh, I, I, kryptonite is the best word I can think of. Like the kryptonite to shame is empathy. And the only way that you're going to receive empathy is you have to receive it from other people. And the only way that you can receive it from other people is if you share what's Right, if you're honest. You're exactly. Yeah. And that takes an enormous amount of courage. Yes, I was going to say this book is incredibly courageous. And what I found so interesting and I wasn't expecting was that it really just was an account of uh, a lot of it, your sexual history and your experience with your sexuality and your body and your worthiness and how you were desired and are desired or didn't feel desired. And the and your health and how that really impacted the way that you felt desired and and your trauma with your sexuality as well and i wasn't expecting that but when you when you did start to explain it and when you started to go into all of the ways that you didn't feel worthy the result made more and more sense to me and it and there was a really heartbreaking moment in the beginning of the book where you said, um, you know, am I no longer worthy of love because I've I've slept with a married man? Am I no longer worthy of having love or being loved? And it was such a beautiful moment because that I have found, especially recently, there have been a lot of cheating scandals that have been swirling around in the ether of media. And in particular, women are blamed in cheating scandals quite significantly. And mud is thrown their way and <laughs> slung their way. Um, and really venomous language is targeted towards women, I find, much more than men. Mm. And so all of those questions that you're asking yourself, am I worthy of love? Do I deserve love? you know, obviously my response was, of course you do. And mm -hmm. also I was thinking, 
is a man questioning those things after he does this? Um, Because you were also in a moment where once you did have intercourse with this person immediately, you were like, oh, this was not right. This was a bad idea. And you did not want to do it anymore, but you also didn't say that. Um, And so that I feel like also tied into your narrative from what I could gather from your writing of this is how I receive love. This is how I'm worthy. Like I'm going to be worthy in this way, but in actuality, you're worthy of a very different kind of love and you are worthy of communicating your needs and your desires no matter what. And if you don't want to do something, you don't have to. And So that's why I say in the beginning of this show, I think your story is unique, but it also in the same vein is, is not because so many of us have had the same feelings. And I so appreciate in the beginning, you saying, let me show you my mat. Like, let me show you my story because number one, that is what the show is all about. I think it's so important for women to share their stories and their voices. I think there's so much that goes on. Um, you know, with our culture that is a white supremacist culture that is driven by the patriarchy where we have these shame-driven stories around desire and sexuality that swirl around in our heads constantly. And it was so fascinating to read that evolution because there were so many things I could relate to in the messages that you were telling yourself and that I know a lot of other women can relate to as well. When you went through all of this and, and for example, there was this moment where you had a fight with an ex-boyfriend and you ended up scratching him on the face in that moment. Did you realize that you were kind of being immature in that moment and like did you realize that in the act and shame spiral from there I was leaning into one piece of advice which was like sometimes you have to be really mean in order for the other person to understand that it's over so I received that piece of advice thinking and then thinking okay well because when I said it nicely he didn't take seriously that we should end this relationship Mm. and then here we are right like we didn't start off yelling at each other like it started off being like a normal conversation and I did think like I'm gonna be mean right now and like be harsh because he's obviously not hearing me and then in that moment when we were like we're like like really like now like I was yelling and you could tell he was like like calm down because that's not my personality to (laughs) yell like that yeah keep this up hopefully if I can continue to be this like crazy person to him he will not like oh I don't want to be with her she's right like this is crazy like why am I trying to fight to be with like this like mad woman so that was running through my head and then when yeah so then I I gesticulate a lot with my hands and so there was probably a lot of this and then Mm. like like I described he was trying to like calm me down but in the gesticulation and him trying to like calm me down that's when like my hand like scratched his face (laughs) and I do describe it in the book but it was it was one of those moments I was like I can't believe that just happened oh my god yeah I became like that really crazy person like that psycho but if I back down now like is he gonna be like oh here she is again this is the girl I know like 
this isn't real. Like that whole thing isn't real. Mm. And I was like, oh, gotta like stay in character because, <laughs> because I really need to make sure that he understands that I want to end this because being the way I normally am apparently wasn't getting through. So that's where my mind was at that point. Right. I, was, I need to play a part in order for him to understand. Afterwards, there that particular trigger probably wasn't as big as like what the title of the book is, is about. Yeah. But it was a little, it was cause there was a mixture of like, whew, he finally understands he like, we're no longer together. So there was a little bit of relief mixed with a little bit of, I can't believe I had to like become this crazy person in order for this to like have to happen and work. Um, so that particular trigger wasn't wasn't the strongest in terms of my yeah. shame spiraling as different times in my life shame like did occur just because at the, in that particular moment i was more ashamed of being with him than i was right i remember yeah yeah than i was of the in the way in which i had to be in order for us to break up if that makes sense well i think what's so interesting about your story and the uh moments you describe is you have had a hard time finding your voice uh and from what i can discern that finding your voice has been challenging for you in a way where people will take you seriously because it feels like you haven't been taken seriously in various moments of your life. And, you know, there are even your, your health journey with various doctors, um, and going back to the doctor and saying the same thing and not really finding the right person until much, you know, much later down the line or getting eloped, you know, and, maybe not voicing your concerns or or getting into these fights and maybe not saying how you actually felt in a way that was just like, Hey, this is me being honest and hear me. Um, Or even in that situation where you did sleep with this man and you didn't want to continue. It has been so interesting to see your journey because I I felt the same way so many times where I have felt like, well, I just want to be good and nice and please this person and make everyone around me happy. Um, and I don't want conflict or an uncomfortable situation. So I'm just not going to say how I actually feel. And if I do say it, I'm just going to, you know, be really emotional about it. So, you know, like I can really relate to a lot of what you, you were talking about, because I think there is a part of our inner child that, needs healing when we are apt to please others and people please so what has been saying that by the way like yeah I I think um that is something else that I recognize in my research that happens it is a difference between men and women and um to your point I think my biggest trigger has been my sexuality throughout that for me is my my thing um and for others, it'll be something else. But one of the things I learned in my research is, is that women are 
essentially wired that way to like want to please. And I think we, <laughs> I know I personally was like, I think I'm crazy. Like, you know, maybe I didn't necessarily have that exact thought, but like, it was kind of like, eh, I probably shouldn't be this way. <laughs> something like that. And when I learned that like our brains are wired to do that instinctively as a way of survival, right? Like think like cave women type of thinking, right? Um, or even walking down the street and not getting hurt. That's correct. Like, yes. If I please this person, then they will either protect me from other people who would want to hurt me. Or if I see that person as a threat, if I can please them, then they'll, right? Like then mm -hmm. they'll alone and they won't harm me and even more so in relationships a lot of times that shows up as well and I yeah and so that part thank you for saying that because that part was important for me to re relay as well because when I found out like oh man like this is the way that our brains are wired like there was a sense of like so that part is okay then but now that I'm aware of it I can I can now like say, oh, okay, that's like my cave woman wanting to please, but does that mean like I'm really in danger? No, I can still say like what's important to me or can still say what I really mean. And that doesn't mean that this person is now going to no longer protect me. And to be very specific, a man's brain is wired to protect <laughs> whether we please him or not. That was like a mind blowing shocker to me. <laughs> so, so oftentimes we're sitting there trying to please said man and um and like we think like oh if we could just please him and meanwhile he like we'll say things like oh yeah I love to watch football we don't like to watch football right mm -hmm. like and I know there's some women who do but like this is a facetious example but just go with me and then then it turns out a couple months later you finally like say like yeah it's just not really not into football and he's like why did she lie to me so they think we're liars <laughs> they're like well just like tell me the truth but we're like but if I would have told you the truth you wouldn't have like I wouldn't have pleased you and so you wouldn't have stuck around to like protect me right and so right weird thing that happens anyway I sell that to say I've learned the difference now and I think it's important to share that like nothing's wrong with me nothing's wrong with you nothing's wrong with them like as the men it's just the way that we're wired but once you're aware of it you can have like a different choice, right? Like to say like, am I gonna lean into that? Like, <laughs> or I can decide, no, I can still say like what I, my real thoughts are, my real likes are, my real, and it, my having to please this person won't change anything. I can still, like there's still value in what I like and, and all of that. If that yes, hello, my dear listener. I wanna pop in here and just express that it would, it would behoove me if I did not say something um, about the differences in the male and female brain conversation here. Um, I am not well versed on this topic and I do want to say that Janelle has done her own research and is in her own field around human genetics and um, so I, I want to acknowledge that there has been research that there are differences in um, the male sex's brain and the female sex's brain and that there's research showing that there are not differences. So I know that this is an incredibly sensitive subject matter for, for a lot of people. And so I want to be mindful of that and just say, I know that this is an ongoing conversation. And from my interpretation, I do think a lot of this, um, a lot of the things that Janelle mentions 
are very socialized characteristics as well as um, you know possible genetic characteristics. I wanted to keep this information in the podcast because I know it is super, super important for Janelle's story and her research and her experience. But I want to definitely acknowledge that this is an ongoing conversation in a huge topic around the differences in the human brain and differences in, um, you know, the, the sex differences in the human brain. So just want to acknowledge that. Let's jump back into the episode. I think you're also talking about emotional intelligence and maturity, like going through life and better understanding uh, relationships and mature relationships and mature emotionally intelligent relationships. Because I was similar to you in that I was, you know, not out there doing stuff when I was in middle school and high school. I was, you know, there were lots of people around me who were sexually active. Um, I was not. And so I could really relate to that. And I would consider myself more of a late bloomer. And (laughs) I think that was very hard for me because I didn't understand how to navigate relationships. And I always thought if you just match what someone else likes, then they will like you. And that, and so I would manipulate a lot of my relationships to be interested in everything that they were interested in. And to a degree where it was like, who am I? And it wasn't until my current relationship, my husband, where I was very, very free in what I was interested in. And, you know, talked, we have similar interests, but we have a lot of things that we don't care about that each other likes, which is normal. Right. And I always didn't understand couples who were like that because I always thought, well, what do you even talk about? What do you have in common? And I had, I, now realize that was something I was taught. Um, I didn't have the experience and I didn't have the maturity or confidence in myself to be me. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of what your journey from what I've seen reflects around is your own self-worth and confidence. What steps have you taken to build confidence in yourself? That's a great question. So part two, I go into a couple of exercises um, about things that you can do. So sharing has certainly been helpful. And I'm not suggesting that people need to like write a book. You can just like find a friend, (laughs) Um, but just kind of like sharing your story and what you've, what you've been through and receiving that empathy is been really huge. So I've been fortunate enough that I have received that from um, different people in my life. And that was very helpful. And um, there was a space that I remind myself of. So there was a space and time um, right after I got divorced, where I remember I was just like, I'm just going to do only the things that are good for me. I'm going to do what I want when I want to do them. I'm not going to focus on anything else. I don't need anyone else's opinion, which is just something like I had just not done before. So simple things like I went to the movies by myself. 
And then I had an amazing time at a, at a show. I'm a huge sci-fi nerd. I'm pretty sure I went to go watch like one of the Hobbit movies or something. So good. <laughs> yeah, right? Well, and Hobbit movies, <laughs> Lord of the I Rings, was, great. I was happy, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was happy. And, and like, I was by myself. So I didn't care whether somebody else didn't like it or what they thought about me going to see the Hobbit. And then I left and I was like, I have to go to the bathroom now. And I don't need to ask anyone else if they need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Just like need to go. Or then, oh, let's, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm hungry. Where do I want to eat? You know what? Wherever I want to eat. There's no one else I need to ask. And there's something very freeing. And even that, again, very simple activity that probably for many people seems silly, but it's those little things, like just doing the things that like, what is Janelle like? What does she want to do? Like without anybody else's voice in my head or opinion or judgment or otherwise, and just doing right. a lot of that. Um, right. So there was, a, there was a time when I was, where I was just kind of like happy doing that and like finding out the things that I like to do and the things that made me feel good and confident. Um, I'm a big, I'm a salsera. I love salsa dancing. That's actually one of my go-tos. <laughs> um, and yeah. And then like, when that period happened or when this episode happened, I like, I was, I was stuck in it and it took me a while to realize like how to get out of it. And then I remember, I remember that time in my life where I just spent doing the things that I like to do, doing the things that solely for me, not for anyone else, just for me. And like wanting to, I, I found myself leaning back into that period of my life and like, I guess just taking care of yourself, right? Like, just like, dating yourself. I, I don't know if you got to, <laughs> to um, the point in the book, but there's a whole chapter about how I date Jesus. And somebody recently like picked up my book and like saw the table of contents. And it's like, dating Jesus, like yeah. who <laughs> date Jesus. And I was like, well, read the book. But <laughs> yeah, um, it, as many people will understand, I am not talking about somebody named Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I am actually in my mind dating said um spiritual person and so ultimately kind of was like dating myself in a way and just kind of like loving myself in in that way and that was particularly healing and gave me um a way of of thinking and here's here's what I'll also say like to be quite clear, I don't want it to seem like I am the most confident person who ever existed. Like I always like shame, my shame resilience is like, whoop, like things ping off of me or whatever. Sure. Still in the journey. Right. So am I better than where I was? A hundred percent. I am better than where I was, but I still feel like there's so many th more things I have to learn. And it's just kind of like life. And I think that's kind of where I am, which is way different than where I was before in that I'm enjoying what's happening now, kind of like enjoying the process of where I am now. Like, this is it, this moment right here, this conversation that I'm having right now. And what am I learning about myself in this very like moment in this conversation? The question that Christina just asked is, an, a, is a brilliant question, right? Like, what am I doing right now to continue that confidence? And like, you know what? I used to do that like six months ago. Maybe I should go to the movies by myself again. Right. You know the movies coming up right like <laughs> yes I'm so excited <laughs> right so it's like it I think that's something else I'm more aware of so than than any other time in my life which is it's okay like 
the moments that I'm going through right now, like this is it, this is the work, this is, and and that's okay. I, I talk a lot lately on my social media about self-acceptance because that's something else I, I don't know how much I talked about this in the book, but when you're in shame-based thinking and you're thinking I'm unlovable, I'm unworthy and all of these things, when someone says, oh, just love yourself, you just need to like love yourself. You might as well be speaking Greek or Chinese to me. Like, mm. like yes, sure, that sounds great. You know, I'll p- turn on some affirmations right now about self-love. <laughs> but it, it is, it is. someone actually broke it down. His name is Tim Fletcher. If you're out there and you're listening to this, Tim Fletcher, thank you so much for all of the content that you have put on YouTube about complex trauma and shame because it is changing a lot of people's lives and certainly had an impact on mine. But he, he's able to describe how the reason why it's so hard when someone who's in shame-based thinking thinks that is because it's like, how can, how, like, how are you saying love myself when I am unlovable? Do you hear what I'm saying? It's not a question. I'm not questioning. Am I lovable? No, 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 no. I am unlovable. It is a belief that I have. And now you're telling me I need to love myself, but I am unlovable. Like it just doesn't, it like, it literally collides. It like does not make any sense. And so you, when someone's in shame-based thinking, you can't just like say that and think, poof, that's going to like fix everything. What he really clearly describes and what I'm trying to pass on to as many people as possible who find themselves in that place is like, it's, it's, it, it is the affirmations. Technically, you still have to say them, but it's about self-acceptance and it's a decision. It's a choice where you look at yourself in your mirror and you see all the perfections, whatever, like dimples, pimples, wrinkles, whatever, right? Like you look at yourself in the mirror with all of it and you choose to say, and with these, I am lovable. And yeah. with all of this, I am beautiful. It is a choice and it's a choice that you have to make a couple of times a day, maybe every minute of the day, but it's, it's a choice. It is not, um, it is not a magic wand as much as I love Harry Potter. It's not going to happen that way. It is a choice that you have to make. And that was so freeing for me because I was, again, it was like, something's wrong with me. If only I love myself, like, you know, have better self-confidence, like this wouldn't be a thing. But then how do you do that? And it, and to, to understand like, no, it's a choice. I get to choose this. And yeah, it's okay if like in the next hour, I may not feel that way. I get to choose again. Right, yeah. Like I get to choose again. It's, it's just another choice. And it's okay also if in an hour you're like, oh man, I don't feel the way I felt last <laughs> at the hour. God, yeah. Right? It's okay. It's okay. And guess what? You get to choose again. You have that choice. And so you make the choice again and you make the choice again. And what happens is over time, like you, because you've constantly made those choices, that's when you start to see the self-love, like you can like feel it more like, oh, I do kind of love <sighs> this about myself. Like yeah. I do love like this, right? Like, um, I, I just want to say that's so beautiful because <laughs> I even like that makes me so emotional. You get to choose to love yourself every day, many, many times every day. And what a gift that is in itself. Maybe you might not see it at the time, but you always have another opportunity every second of your day to choose to love yourself. You have the option over and over and again because you're alive. And you can be here in your body present and choosing that. And everything we're doing is a choice. 
Um, obviously people have different privileges, different life circumstances, but loving yourself is a very intimate choice you can make with yourself every single day that you have that ability to do. And I think that is just so gorgeous. Um, and I think will help a lot of people as they're navigating that process. Um, because so much, and women in particular, so much of our self-worth is seen as external validation, as is desired from other people um, wanting to feel desired. You mentioned that your parents called you smart, but they didn't call you pretty. Um, you were adopted. And so I can see, you know, the connection with abandonment and um the desire to feel desired by others in all of these ways. Mm -hmm. And I think it's such a beautiful story that you can say, even with this tornado of not feeling that outward desire, you can now choose to love you and desire yourself. And in turn, I truly believe then other, that that magnetic energy will flow back to you. Because I've experienced that. And I think it's just so beautiful that you get to have that choice. And I'm curious, you know, how those small choices have impacted your, um, not just your personal life, but your professional life. Because I know we're, we're, oh my God, I can't believe we're almost coming up on our time. <laughs> um, <laughs> but how have those small choices of self-love, um, confidence, you know, those just you know, I love going to the movies by myself. I love having alone time. Being an independent person is so important and it takes a long time for some people to take those actions versus others. So I can totally relate to that. But in your career, how have those small choices impacted you? Um, that is also a great question. Um, I had a long conversation with my business partner about this because um, he, he was one of my editors, editors for content, not for grammar. And he was like, are you going to put in it like how this impacted your business? Because I know you and I have had conversations about this and I definitely don't go into, I, I personally did not go into it like pages and pages and pages of it in the book, but <laughs> where, where, where you are you are who you are. You take yourself wherever you go, right? So how you are here is how you're going to be in Jamaica, is how you're going to be in Paris, is how you're going to be at work, is how you're going to be at home, right? Like, And so here I was in the shame-based think based thinking. And so in my place of work or business, even this idea of like, success or like good things happening, it was like, oh, no, no, I don't deserve good things. So like, I'd get close to it, right? Because I am, um, I'm driven in that way, right? So like, I'm like, yep, I'm gonna drive her towards this goal, and and then it was like, as soon as I'm like, oh my gosh, this might happen, I would, I could, I can remember like and see myself like pull back, like not like, oh no, just keep going, you're almost there, right? Like make the next phone call, reach out to the next person, like do that thing, right? So that's like entrepreneurship. And then I would like stop and like regress and pull back from making connections and reaching out to people in other areas. So I also, I'm a professor, I, I teach. Um, 
and I do a lot of education in many different areas. And so two things that I'm thinking, one is um, it's how quickly like feed, how quickly you receive feedback and you immediately receive it as an attack on your character. So right. You rejection, can- like dysphoria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You can't really believe that somebody wants the best for you and is just trying to help you grow, right? And so the the feedback feels like a personal attack. And so you reject it. You don't want it, right? And then usually with that, people get like, many people, you know, you get the anxiety sweat, right? Like you may flush, you may get really red or, or, right? Like whatever, usually like you feel it first before you're able to identify like what you're actually feeling, the emotion that you're feeling. But um, because I was trying to shy away from that, that those feelings, receiving feedback, like all of that stuff, it would cause me to play small. Don't tell people my ideas. Don't do this. And so when I would have one-on-one conversations, people were like, oh, that's brilliant. Like, we should do this. We should do that. But then like, like in the larger setting, like I might like hold back. I won't say things because I didn't want that other side of it because it's the judgment. It's the, you know, like of character. So I will say this. This is an excellent quote from Brene Brown. And she's like, look, when perfectionism is in the passenger seat, shame is driving the car. Yes, I've heard that. Yes. And I love that because that's essentially what happens. And I and I say that because that's the second thing. I recognize that in myself, but I'm seeing it now in my students. And it, it floors me every time because it's this idea like, well, if I do it perfectly, say it perfectly, act perfectly, then it'll shield me from the feedback, the criticism, the judgment of you can't do this. You're stupid. You're a failure. You're like, who do you think you are to like do all these things, right? Because you think if you can do it perfectly, like you'll, you won't get that. When in actuality, perfection is impossible. As humans, we are imperfect. It's like the definition of <laughs> definition of being human. And so when you don't meet that perfection and you don't hit it, you're like waiting for others. But really where the judgment comes from is from yourself. See, right. you couldn't do it. See, like, how could you think that you could say it? You didn't do it, right? You can't do this. Like you can't. And so I see it in my students play out. I, to the point where like physically, like I've seen some of them, like I said, get really flushed and red. Some even cry. And you're like, nothing happened. Like we didn't even do anything yet. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, it, and I recognize it and I'm like, man, I can certainly relate. I've, I've been there. And then like wanting to like talk them through that, like what's going on. And so like we work through it, but that's where it shows up. It shows up in the workplace by like, you know, like, I'm not going to say it perfectly. Right. So better not say anything at all. Oh, yeah. Right. Like, so that's, that's what that looks like in real time, you know? And so later, little by little through those little conversations, receiving forms of empathy and encouragement, all those things, I started to say more, be involved more, do more and recognize there are probably a lot of times I say things imperfectly. (laughs) I, I get so excited, like I stumble over my words or whatever, but, um, and maybe somebody else can say it more eloquently than I, but that's okay. I'm going to give it a go and say what I have to say, because maybe it won't land, but maybe it will. And if it does land on somebody, then that's, that's like, that's the most important thing. Um, and yeah. if it helps whatever goal that we have as like a group, you know, however, we're trying to educate our students in the different ways that I educate, like then, then it's worth it. It's a risk worth taking to be seen, to be vulnerable um, and get it wrong. <laughs> oh yes. I love that last 
you know, sentence you said, it's a risk worth taking to be seen, to be vulnerable and to get it wrong. Mm -hmm. What a beautiful, um, I mean, you have to come, we have to talk more. Um, (laughs) you have to come back. (laughs) I would love it. Um, because I feel like so many people can relate to what you're saying. And what I see in you is a very successful woman. And it is so freeing to be able to also have these conversations of your struggles with being worthy, feeling desirable, feeling independent in your body, in yourself, in your sexuality. And the way you're perceived is probably so much different than the way you feel about yourself in this journey. And so I think a lot of people can relate to that. And I really, truly appreciate you spending time with me today and sharing your story and writing this book because it's such a wonderful way to unpack so many familiar feelings for so many others. And and you're very vulnerable and open with your experience. And so I really want to thank you for doing that because I'm sure that was not easy at times. And I want to end our episode with the quote that you share at the beginning of your book, which is, we have stories to tell, stories that provide wisdom about the journey of life. What more have we to give one another than our truth about our human adventure as honestly and as openly as we know how? And that is from Rabbi Saul Rubin. So Janelle, thank you for being on the show today. Our time flew by. I just really appreciate your time and your story. Thank you. Again, I love having these conversations because what I found is that people want (laughs) to talk about this. And so I thank you so much for allowing me to share to I thank you for asking me questions that made me think and pause and um, and to like live out this moment in real time. I really do thank you and appreciate you for that. And there it is. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Janelle Villiers. I am truly so grateful for Janelle's story uh, coming on the show and really talking about her journey. And I do want to mention that in we, we barely scratched the surface during this interview. Janelle goes into so much more in her book. She goes into her history around not feeling worthy of deep, respectful, confident love and how she has healed. And it's, it's a really beautiful journey and one that is incredibly vulnerable. And she just is very honest as well. So if you're interested in reading more about Janelle's journey, in the show notes, I've attached a sneak peek of her book that you can click on and enjoy. Um, is so, so kind of Janelle to offer that. But I really took so much out of this conversation, including insights on my own confidence and my own emotional journey and my journey of maturity. And it's, I just feel like there was a lot to learn here. Um, I have my own feelings about, you know, infidelity and shame and 
the the twisted web of of that world um, and I felt like it was incredibly important to talk about this in, with someone who wrote about it and who who did their own research on shame and and really went through their own journey and I learned so much in reading this book and talking with Janelle so I will leave you there if you have any questions for me or Janelle um, if you have any topics that you want to hear more about on the show please feel free to leave me a voice message Uh, the link for that is in the episode description So you can head to the episode description and head to the link for that. Otherwise, please go follow the other ladies on the Amplify Her Media Network. We have three other podcasts on this network. The Chingonas Only Club, the Momster Podcast, and Discovering Amazing Possibilities. You can follow me at Amplify Her Media on Instagram. And I so look forward to seeing you next week with a brand new episode of the show. Have a wonderful weekend, everyone. Bye. The Amplify Her podcast is a part of the Amplify Her Media Network. You can check out more shows on the Amplify Her Media Network over on Instagram at Amplify Her Media.